0: What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their View from the Pew on modern day radio.
1: And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, And joining me as always is the man who for every one step he takes. Oh, I got to take two and a half. The good deacon, Scott Aiken. Happy first week of Lent.
2: Happy first week of Lent. And I'll try to walk shorter than I normally do. That way we can walk together in Lent.
1: In my mind, I am a much taller person. I am about five foot two and you're about six feet. Mm -hmm. So naturally when we walk, you walk either way ahead of me, or you have to really slow it down in order for me to keep at an even pace. It happens when we go on our evening walks in the neighborhood.
2: Now, I have a very tall dad, and he was six foot three, and my brother is six foot two. And so I was the shortest one on the men's side in our family. So I think I was always feeling like the little guy. So I have a little guy mentality, and you have a big dog dog mentality. Mentality.
1: That's it. Well, on my side of the family, my mother is Mexican, and there weren't too many. There were a few taller people. My grandfather, if I can remember well, he was not a particularly tall person, but, but not short by any means. On my father's side of the family, though, my father uh, is not a tall man in particular, and uh, my grandfather, from what I can remember, was taller than he was. My father loves to talk about, you know, remembering his dad. My, fa- my grandfather's name was Ludwig blaze that was his name and he had a tradition a long catholic family on both sides of my family my grandfather my grandpa blaze every year for lent always gave up alcohol and as long as i can remember my dad did the same thing and continues to do that and now my brother also joins him in that so this year i i've not ever done that before with them so this year for lent I'm gonna give up the cocktails that I enjoy from time to time in the evening. I must say though, it's probably not gonna be a hard thing for me to do, because I don't drink a whole lot.
2: (laughs) You do not, you do not. That's (laughs) one thing I love about you there. That's a tradition, and some of our Lenten practices are traditions. Right. And, And one of the traditions that we're celebrating is the receiving of ashes. That's in many Catholics' minds so important to have, but that's more tradition than necessity
1: right because so many people go it's one of the biggest masses of the year is ash wednesday i think it's because it's free giveaway day at church and everybody wants to get in and get their free ashes you're right, it's not a holy day of obligation. Of course, Ash Wednesday kicks off the Lenten season. And Scott, you know, on the Morning Blend this week, we were talking about some of the things that you need to uh, remember for Lent. And Friday, people have to abstain from eating meat. I know many people do that all year long, but as Lent especially is the time of year that we all need to do that. But did you know that alligator is a perfectly acceptable meal? on a Friday of Lent.
2: And we didn't have that last year.
1: <laughs> I have not ever had alligator.
2: <laughs> I, I had heard that last year for the first time, and I thought, maybe she's going to bring home alligator. I don't even know where to get that. But I did have it when I was a kid growing up in the South. That was not an uncommon thing to get alligator or even frog legs.
1: Yeah, well, I'm a Southern girl, but I'm a Southern California girl, and there <laughs> were no alligator or frog legs to be eaten during And Lent. it
2: tastes like chicken.
1: That's what I've heard i'll take your word for that here in the portland area there are a couple of restaurants that you can order those types of foods but again it brings up this idea this traditional lenten experience that we get to move into during the next 40 days and we prepare for easter this year we've talked about it so often with COVID. it's you know we are almost at the one year point where the lockdowns began. It was not long into Lent where that all started. And we thought, you know, maybe by Easter, things would be back to normal. Who would have thought that it was a year from Easter that things start to straighten itself out. And here we are again, still dealing with COVID in another Lenten season. What a penitence that we have to live through.
2: And and talking with people, I, I hear that time and again, that gosh, it still feels like we're in Lent because we're still making sacrifices. What a great reality to look at it from that perspective, that we are giving sacrifice. We are in the process, whether we know it or not, we are in the process of becoming holy by those sacrifices. So even though there's a lot of negative that we can focus on, I think this Lent, maybe for the first time for many people, can be an opportunity to look at the positives of sacrifice has made our families more communicative, made our friendships more dear. And even though we might have to do that through social media, we have figured out ways to try and bridge, but at the same time, make sacrifices. And that is a good, that is a good.
1: And that is going to be the topic of this week's View from the Pew about having a Holy Lent and walking with some saints who maybe had not such a holy life before they became saints. Coming up, I have an opportunity to talk with Mark Hart. He has a new book out called Our Not Quite Holy Family. And we're going to talk about that, that. He might have a family similar to ours.
2: Sounds like it. Yes. And after that, I want to share with you a simple prayer that came to me as I was talking with a good friend of mine. And God works through things and opportunities that we never imagined he would work in.
1: So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the
0: Pew.
3: The Catechism of the Catholic Church refers to the Sacrament of Reconciliation as one of conversion, for it has so much to do with returning to God the Father. Just as our view of prayer changes from a child's petitioning to a mature relationship with God, this same maturing process exists with the sacraments. Penance, confession, reconciliation, different names for the same process. Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper, the same celebration. As we look more closely at these sacraments, we realize these are the sacraments of maturing. These are both a key part of our lifelong process of our Lord calling us to a closer place. Just as Jesus fell with the cross, got up, and eventually overcame death with the resurrection, the process of penance to Eucharist is God's same invitation, a transformation to a new life. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Jasandi.
4: One of the three pillars of Lent is prayer, and Mater Radio is here to pray with you through this holy season. On the air and online, we offer a unique level of prayer and devotion through our three daily broadcasts of the celebration of the Holy Mass, the sacred mysteries of Jesus and Mary in the Holy Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and a variety of stirring Lenten reflections. In addition, Mater Radio's devoted team of prayer warriors is standing by to receive your personal intentions through our prayer hotline at motterdayradio.com or by calling 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737 or click the prayer button at materdeiradio.com and let us pray for you. Grow closer to Christ through this holy season of Lent and into Easter with Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
0: It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Mater Dei Radio.
1: Today's guest was used to energizing a crowd of Catholic teenagers as part of Live Teen Ministry. Mark Hart was the guy with all the right answers about being... And staying Catholic. That is, of course, until he had children of his own, and all that he knew to be true was tested for sure. In his new book written with his wife Melanie, our not quite holy family, a practical guide for Catholic parents, Mark shares stories about raising four children and reminds Catholic that being a good parent means taking time to get to know and actually enjoying your children. Mark is joining me today to share more about this wonderful book. Hello, Mark. Thank you so much for your time today.
5: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate
1: it. Well, I've got to start here because your friend, Lino Rulli, the Catholic guy on SiriusXM said, what I like (laughs) most about Mark and Melanie Hart is that they genuinely admit their faith, hope and love in the midst of life struggles. They don't have it all together, but they are together. I love that. Doing it all together is what we are meant to do. Mark, tell me a little bit about your wife, Melanie, and the four souls you're working to get to heaven.
5: Well, I think I speak uh, like like most husbands I say my wife is far holier than I. I really, uh, I really <laughs> traded up and I've kicked my coverage on that one. Um, but she is a, she's a wonderful saintly woman. She keeps me sane. Um she makes sense of my life. She's a convert to the faith. So she brings in a very uh, very unique perspective. We met um we met when I was in high school, when we were in high school thirty some odd years ago. Um, and it no only took me about a decade to convince her to be mine. Uh, but but along the way, we're, we're uniquely blessed uh, in that right now we have um, a child in college, a child in high school, a child in middle school, and a child in elementary school. Um, so we're we have many different parent hats that we wear on a daily basis, and we're constantly trading them out. Um, and and what was what was fun about writing this book together, beyond just working as a couple, is that um, instead of trying to do one of those parenting books that claims to have all the answers. We really just kind of come out of the gate and share embarrassing stories and and messes and mistakes that we've made along the way, hoping that we can help other Catholic parents avoid doing the same.
1: Well, I love it so much. It's a wonderful book, and you will smile as you go through the pages. Mark, like many parents, you were shocked to know what it takes to raise a healthy, happy, and faith-filled children. Since Ash Wednesday just happened, I want to ask you about your memories about the day you shared in your book because it seems like it was a great memory for you. Tell me about Ash Wednesday.
5: (laughs) Oh, I wish it were. It was mortifying. (laughs) It was so mortifying. (laughs) You know how... You know how uh, like, you know, when you're in a Catholic family, there's this there's this pressure that exists that it's like you have to have that almost like a Christmas card Catholicism to you. You know what I mean? You have to you, you have to appear shiny and and glorious and perfect on the outside. But the reality is, is for most Catholic families, we're all running late to mass. We're you know we're, we're cramming into the pews or hoping to get there. Well, this specific Ash Wednesday, I won't tell I won't tell the whole story, but needless to say. Um, one of my daughters, the girliest of the girls, who just loves everything pristine and clean and loves her dresses and, and, and doing her hair, we went forward for ashes on this particular mass. And while the other kids were fine receiving ashes on their forehead, uh, this is pre-pandemic, mind you, uh, my daughter wanted no part of it. So she went forward, and as the, as the EM, the Minister, who had been assigned to, um, to give ashes in our line, attempted, she dodged to the right, dodged to the left, kept dodging. It was like a boxing match you know, where, where she couldn't get hit until she finally slapped Slapped the ashes out of the minister's hand. The, the bowl went flying. Ashes went everywhere. And my wife, in an, in an effort to escape the embarrassment, she she made herself s- scarce. I mean, she was like the roadrunner in the old Looney Tunes cartoon. She couldn't get up to the pew fast enough while well, I was just standing there in a dust-covered mess with, with the culprit, uh, my then seven-year-old in front of me. It was quite embarrassing, especially when the pastor, who was at the time a dear friend, looked over at me with that side glance and only a priest has.
1: Right. Uh, I think I've there, seen that one a time or two.
5: <laughs> Nowhere to go. So that's one such story. We've got plenty of them in the book, and we're just sharing those those mishaps that really only Catholic parents can understand.
1: Oh, no doubt. Mark Hart joining me today as we talk about some of the funny stories and some of the relatable stories you're going to read about in his new book, Our Not Quite Holy Family. Mark, like you, the good deacon and I are also raising four children. We have two in high school, one in college and another recently married. Now, when an issue pops up, and as you know, one always does. We remind Mm -hmm. ourselves, thank goodness they weren't born at this age, because the older they get, the bigger the problems. (laughs) You know, is it wise to be after kids to pick up their dirty clothes when what you're really worried about is what they might be seen on the Internet? How do you pick those battles?
5: You know, I think it's I think it's all part of, and, and this is going to sound terrible. It's all part of wasting time with your kids, and I say wasting in quotes. I think um, what I see in a lot of the teens that I that I minister to and deal with on a daily basis, and even in our own kids, I think well, a lot of kids, especially Catholic kids, they um, they feel as though uh, they might feel as though the, the faith is being crammed down their throat, or they feel as though mom and dad schedule in time for them. I mean, it's, it's a busy world. I mean, even pre COVID, you know, kids don't ever want to feel like they're being scheduled in. And if we're willing to just plop down on a couch next to them and, quote, unquote, waste time with them, to enter into their world, to ask them questions where it's not like we're probing or spying, just, hey, why are you watching this? Why do you enjoy this song? Why do you like that music artist? You know, what, what, what app are you you're looking at? We show genuine interest in their life and their world. They'll take an interest in ours, whether that means the faith, whether that means rules and guidelines around the house. Certainly, we absolutely need structure. We talk about that in the book in terms of screen time expectations, family time expectations, communication. Those are all covered in terms of practical things that have and haven't worked, do and don't work with the modern 21st century teenager or preteen. But I think that at the end of the day, our goal is to get them to heaven, you know, not necessarily to Harvard. Our goal is to get them to heaven, not necessarily um, you know to, to have the cleanest room. So while those things breed discipline, I can't forget that discipline and disciple have the same root word then at the end of the day, are we trying to form souls or are we just trying to have a clean house? And I think it, it, in that way, you can have a clean house and you can have a pure soul, but that takes a lot of time. And it takes that the young soul that you're talking to understanding that you respect them. You know, we, we, many of us came from um, from generations prior, you know, where, where ex- respect was expected, but not always offered. And what Melanie and I have found over the years is that the more that we respect our kids, the more that we communicate our expectations through that, that lens of respect, the more that they the more that they return the favor.
1: Oh, I love that. Wise words indeed. You know, for me, Mark, I always try to remember too, if this is the hill that I'm gonna do battle on, now it's one that I'm gonna do my best to try to win because boy, there are so many forces out there that are after our children. And you know, as a as a mama bear, I'm I'm trying to protect them. But faith, that that really is a different matter because you cannot force your children to have faith. Yet it's the most important. How do you keep kids interested and growing in their faith and want to know more about their faith without saying, you know, you're going to have to get up at seven o'clock on your day off and go with me to church because that's just what I said you have to do.
5: Right. I think that the biggest difference is that our kids need to understand that, that their, their, their Catholic faith, that their, their Christian faith is not something they just take off the shelf on Sunday for an hour. It's not just something that they go to church on or log on and Mass for, but they understand that, that that the person of Jesus Christ, that the church is living stones, not a big hierarchical institution, and not not just a building or a parish, but the church is living and breathing and active. And I think the more that we invite Jesus, the more we invite the Lord, the gospel, into these random conversations, you know, that if they feel as though Christ is personified in the home, that, that he's sitting there with us during dinner, that you can talk about God, you can, you, can, you can joke about the faith, that that's just part of our way of life. That's a lens by which we look through life 168 hours a week, not one hour a week, you know? And I think that the more that they see that, the more they see mom and dad making time to go off and pray, the more they see mom and dad, I mean, most of our houses look like a Catholic gift shop, too, sure. let's be honest, you know? But I think the more that they see they're going, to, they're going to be able to tell in their parents' actions or reactions if their parents pray. They're going to be able to tell in the way that their parents—we talk about this in the book—where their parents interact, talk, flirt, play. They're going to be able to tell if the sacrament is alive and holy or if they're just chips in the night. You know, And, and really, a, a holy family, a successful family, is supposed to flow from the sacrament. It's supposed to flow from the husband and wife and the grace of the sacrament— And and that's why if if we don't go into it as parents proactively saying, how can we live out the grace of the sacrament? How can we unleash the grace of the sacrament onto our kids? How can we make this person of Jesus an actual person who's here in the house with us, who who we we see in the face of the others around us, and not just this historical teacher or rabbi, you know, not not just a philosophical figure, but truly our Savior? And the way that you live that out, the way you live that out in the sacraments, that only happens through intentional communication.
1: The name of the book, Our Not Quite Holy Family. It's written by Mark and Melanie Hart. This is a practical guide for Catholic parents. It is so much fun. I encourage all of our listeners to pick up and read one. Mark, you and your wife had written this book, not just as pages filled with comical and relatable stories that is in there, but it's also to be actually used by parents. Explain to us how the chapters are laid out.
5: Well, that's the hope. The hope is, you know, each chapter does have um, a, a, like an end in each chapter. It's going to offer practical tips, some some good discussion questions The couples can read it on their own and come back and talk, or they can read it together, one chapter at a time. It also includes a lot of different challenges and tips, a lot of prayers in the appendix. There are even testimonials at the very end by, by some uh, of our favorite Catholic couples who we've gotten to know over the years who have kids of differing ages. The whole idea is to we're, we're going to offer some some questions that, that, that couples can pose to one another and, and take a hard look and just say, hey, where are areas that we can improve in our marriage? Almost an x-ray, if you will. Where can we improve in our life, our family life, our home life, so that we could do something practical and tangible? Instead of just theoretical, we were going for practical. And then really arming people with, hey, here are some things you can do today, tomorrow, this week. Here are some prayers you can begin to pray and to immediately implement some of the themes and some of the, the things that we we've, we've experienced, some of the mistakes we've made, and how we can rectify them in, in real time.
1: Oh, it is a great book. I encourage all of our listeners to get a copy for themselves. Mark, where are they going to find our not quite holy family?
5: Well, you can go to uh, Ave Maria Press. And if you, uh, if you, before the end of the month, before the end of February, if you head to Ave Maria Press, if you use the promo code HART, our last name, H-A-R-T, you can get a couple dollars off the book. You get it for $14, free shipping at Ave Maria Press. Or you can find it at amazon.com or wherever fine Catholic books are sold.
1: We have got many a fine Catholic bookstore here in the Portland and Vancouver area. Mark, I sure appreciate your time today. Thank you so much.
5: It's my pleasure. You have a great day.
1: And again, that is Mark Hart, the name of the book, Our Not Quite Holy Family, A Practical Guide for Catholic Parents. I will be sure to add a link to where you can find a copy for yourself. You'll find that link on the podcast of this interview at mozardayradio.com yeah,
2: And all of us, we care.
1: And now it's time for this week's view. Boy, Scott, that the hearts are a family living in the trenches of family life. They experience, well, all the same things you and I experience. I always thought one of the benefits of you becoming a deacon at the age that you were, because our son was just two years old at your ordination, was boy, we were living in the trenches right along with all of the other families in the pews. We knew, you know, what happens when the baby, you know, spits up on your clothes as you're trying to leave for Sunday mass or trying to keep kids quiet. I mean, family life can be hard and it'll make it a saint.
2: And, you know, we did have that conscious thought, if you recall, that, gosh, we're entering into this. Why are we entering into this? And then we realized God's calling us to this. But ultimately it came to a realization that, well, we want our kids to be saints. Mm-hmm. And if this is a pathway towards their sainthood, then let's make that sacrifice and enter into this. And doors kept opening and opening, and sometimes we even hope that a door may close, but no. No.
1: We kept wondering who was the person that was going to tell us no, because that no seemed to present itself every time. But no, we just kept working through it and they kept bringing us forward. And boy, what a wonderful deacon class you had, because Mm. our son was just a, just a little baby through your formation. And there were always plenty of hands ready to hold him while I had to take the other girls and help them with whatever they were doing when we were at our gatherings, but it was a community that brought us together. And boy, it feels like it's the community that's going to get us all to heaven. Because that's the goal is to be a saint means that you're in heaven. And there are some pretty rough lives before some of the saints entered into heaven and we recognize them.
2: One of the chapters uh, that was highlighted in the book is raising future saints. And that's clearly what I think we've been trying to do with our kids. And now we work in extension of that as our kids find spouses. Mm -hmm. And our oldest has found a man who we love dearly and you know God willing and in in what seems might, might seem impossible, God makes possible uh, for this sacrament that starts out at baptism when they're a little baby to entering into marriage and ultimately towards bringing others potentially into the faith.
1: What isn't an amazing, and we have to remember that our prayer is so timeless. God knows what is on our hearts when we pray for that. And even for the people that we don't know yet who we are praying for, we have always prayed for our children and for their future spouses. If that is the person who is in their future, God knows who that is. And so it's one of the things that I like to do is to continue to pray because life is a journey. Lent is a journey. The next 40 days we are going to be journeying and we should be definitely bringing Christ along with us on this journey.
2: And that statement that so oftentimes I use is that all things are possible with God. And when you look at the saints that we hold in such such high esteem as we should in the church, uh, there are some pretty sordid histories of those saints. There's a whole list of saints that uh, is highlighted in the book about you know where they were and where they came to. And it just seems impossible, but for God's guidance to them. And you know, just just looking at some of the things that are possible and impossible, I had a call from this friend the other day and as he and I talked this beginning of Lent, we had a wonderful talk. And in that talk, God spoke to me a prayer from this man as he was speaking to me. And that prayer is a prayer that I really want to uh, give to the community here because it's so profound to me that when we get up in the morning, and I offer this as an option for you to consider during this Lenten season, is to pray this simple prayer, Jesus, let us walk together today. Jesus, let us walk together today. And that's almost our third-person voice telling, Scott, you need to ask Jesus to walk with you. So that you know that needs to be the person you journey with. First and foremost, before you meet with others, before you meet with your spouse, with your with your kids, with your friends, you should be meeting Jesus simply in the morning. And by doing that simple action, we're gonna follow Jesus where he leads us in the day. And I, I had that experience talking with my friend. He led us what otherwise seemed like a disjunct time frame to be the exact time I needed to talk to him. And inspired me and inspired my friend. And by the end of the call, We were ready for Lent. We are ready for Lent.
1: We most definitely are. And what a wonderful and simple prayer. Before we end this week's View from the Pew, Deacon Scott, you're going to end us in a prayer.
2: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for giving us a chance once again this Lenten season to remember your great sacrifice that makes holy the world. Help us to walk with you as we journey through this Lent and see this as a great joy that will be brought to fullness in the Easter season to come. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew.
0: God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at slash pew View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Monterday Radio in Portland, Oregon.